And we are live. Welcome, everybody, to the Doing the Thing podcast. And it's a great honor to welcome Jeff and Mickey Martin to the show. Hi, guys. Hey, Phil. Hey, Hi, Phil. Jason. Hi, Jason. Hello. Yeah, pleasure to have you. And Jason, as always, my co-host. Welcome, buddy. Always a pleasure, man. So I'm so excited for many, many reasons uh, to have Jeff and Mickey on the show. Um, so I want to give you a little background into who these folks are. Uh, in addition to being dear friends of mine, um, since early 2004, Jeff and Mickey have been working and, with and training uh, children on functional fitness and physical literacy. They've personally coached hundreds of kids, and they've worked with hundreds of gyms and schools training in their methodology, which we're going to get deep into. Um, they have in their portfolio uh, USA powerlifting state record holders, national qualifiers, high school all-state athletes, all city athletes, division one athletes. Um, and one of the things that it sets them apart from folks in the fitness space is their attentiveness and focus on precise movement over repetitions, um, a focus on injury prevention and performance enhancement. Um, if you think about just a off the wall example, but the, um, uh, you know, a, a sport like golf, right? And all of the repetitive motion in a swing uh, that's involved in a swing in golf, um, unless you've trained and supported all the muscles around that movement group, uh, there's risk for injury. So take that same thought to sports like soccer and football and other things. Um, these are things that they specialize and these are world renowned experts. Um, they have partnerships with organizations like Elico, uh, like Stand Up Kids, like OPEX Fitness, uh, the International Fitness Federation, P1440, uh, just some really incredible worldwide organizations. Uh, Jeff and Mickey and their Brand X Method uh, now have 55, I believe, locations. Is that right, guys? Uh, it's right now, because of everything going on, there's, there's a big pause on that, but and that's about right. I think it, we, were at, we were at about 60, and we've got unbelievably enough right now about five in the pipeline wow wow and yeah and we're not just talking us we're talking the uk spain ireland british columbia angola ireland australia new zealand canada um and there's a reason why they have been so successful in uh bringing their methodologies around the world and it's really a pleasure to have you both here and importantly to talk about some things that really matter especially in these exceptional times um, so with that, guys, again, welcome. Such such an honor to have you. Well, thank you very much. We're happy to be here. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. We love to talk about this stuff, so thanks for giving us the opportunity. Hey, it's our pleasure. And, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people are going to have a lot of questions. You know, we have, we're seeing, you know, more and more trainers are, are working virtually and online doing, you know, those Peloton-type classes and things like that. Um, you know, because of the COVID-19 crisis. And, um, you know, out of all the essential businesses that uh, are to remain open, you know, we have McDonald's over a gym. And <laughs> so that's, that's kind of, you know, it kind of seems like it's backwards. One's proven to, you know, reduce, you know, stress, diabetes, help you stay healthy. The other one kind of contrary to that. Um, now, in terms of you know, kids staying at home, you know, maybe they're not getting the, the best uh, diet. Maybe they're not exercising enough. Maybe they don't know what to do. Um, you know, 
when they don't have access to gyms and things like that, what are some of the things that you would tell parents? Uh, Jeff and I usually have somewhat different perspectives on things, so, so I'll start and then he'll probably answer it a little differently. Um, I traditionally work with the younger kids, so my answer, and that being kids five to ten-ish, um, get outside. Um, being outside, first of all, is <laughs> the best place to be given what's going on um, out in the fresh air and hopefully sunshine. Um, but getting outside um, can provide almost all the movement situations that we want kids to encounter, right? Um, if there's, a, there's places to jump, there are places to crawl, there are things to climb. Um, you can run, run, you can jog, you can side shuffle, you can uh, tumble, you can do just about anything and then think about just bring one implement with you, a ball, you know, of any kind. Um, and just the idea of free play. Those things are huge. Just human movement. You don't need a playground. You just need a somewhere outside. Um, now, I know that there are lots of kids that don't have that option, either because of weather or their living circumstances. And um, sometimes hallways are a good option. Um, if you live in an apartment complex and you have a long hallway, there's lots of things you can do um, movement-wise in that kind of situation. Um, but obviously we want them to move and um, just being outside is a good solution for a multitude of reasons. Um, Jeff will probably answer differently for the older kids. Not really in this, in this time frame, but what I would say is that, you know, really want to emphasize, I guess, what Nikki said, you know, get outside, play. Um, right around, 2011, 2012-ish, we started to see a, a trend in the gym where kids would come into our gyms. And, uh, you know, before that time frame, you had a 12-year-old boy come into the gym. He played, played soccer. He played, you know, baseball. was was athletic. And now he comes into the gym. That kid comes into the gym before 2012. We say, okay, we're going to bear crawl across the mat, and then we're going to skip to the end of the building and um, do something. Uh, the kid would be able to perform that. After 2012, it became really common to see kids come into the gym without common human movement, like just stuff that you would normally see people um, uh, or expect people to do, like 12-year-old boy not being able to skip, 12-year-old, you know, um, quote-unquote athlete being unable to side shuffle correctly, things that you would just expect to see. And really what we've found um, and what the research has been showing is that about that time frame, 2012-ish, screens um, kind of became, or phones became able to access the internet. Because they were able to access the internet, what kids, kids who had phones stopped doing things like playing outside. So that's kind of how I'm wrapping back into what Mickey's saying. And what we started to see with kids was these movement gaps, loss of normal human movement, and then we start to see an accelerated and um, steepening rise of uh, injury in sport with kids. And so when Mickey says, get outside and play, really what she's saying is kind of harkening back to what, what humans have done for years and years and years, you know, thousands of years is with, as they're growing up as kids, is they played free play without intervention of, of adults saying, these are the rules, this is what you need to do. Um, 
but that free play uh, develops movements and movement patterns that help um, that kids can then apply to different sports and, and different activities in their lives. So in this time frame where kids can't, don't have PE, they, they can't go to the gym, you know, the first fix is to, to move and to move with um, abandon and with, and with playfulness. And the key to that um, within the, the play um, advocates, I would say, the big things that they're talking about are exploration and experimentation and how those lead to positive mental health um, results. Um, there's also huge social benefits. But um, so this is something that obviously we're, we're big on this all of the time. Um, so it's not just during this time, which is unusual, but this, the unusual thing is that now we have an opportunity where kids aren't overscheduled with 27 other things. And we can say, hey, get outside, you know, get a, a stick and a foil ball and figure out what you can do. <laughs> um, and and the results of that are you learn how to deal with an unexpected result that you don't learn how to deal with if you only play quote unquote sport where there's always rules, regulation, stress, timelines, uniforms, people watching, parental concern, teammates that are counting on you, all those things um, lead to a very different result in your mental space. Then I'm going to get out and I'm going to do something unusual with a foil ball and a stick. And then I'm going to see how it moves differently. I'm going to learn how to respond to that. And then those kids who spend time doing that grow up into young adults who are not mind blown when something unexpected occurs because they've dealt with the creativity of having to, to solve for something unusual. So it's, it's, it's kind of a deep, a deep well. Um, and people, you know, really don't, they just don't know for the most part about what play can do and how essential it is really for so it's more than just physical, it's cognitive as well, it sounds like. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then that kind of, I think, rolls into the second thing that we're seeing is this is an unusual time. So what do we see? We see um, parents now are the teachers. You know, kids are, are, you know, all the kids are being homeschooled. So um, teachers are sending home hours and hours of work for them to do. They're doing Zoom classes and and the second thing we could tell parents to do is make sure your kids are getting up and moving, you know, every, every hour, every hour and a half for, you know, five to 10 minutes. Doesn't have to be a lot, but if they get up and they do things like sit and stands out of chairs, um, you know, mountain climbers, even simply walking to the end of the block and back and then starting back to, um, to studying, what they'll get is, is an increased focus in their, in their work and, and better attention because, Physical activity um, is linked to um, higher uh, um, better retention. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> so the um, there's a whole slew of things that come from from physical activity. The number one thing we talk about in our courses is BDNF, which is a brain derived neurotropic factor, which is a they has been called. A miracle grow for the brain. So if, if somebody moves for 10 
10 minutes or so, this stuff starts to be released in the brain, and there's, a, there's just a um, wide-ranging um, um, re results of, of, or things that come from that, that help ch children um, as they learn. So not only play, get outside play just for fun, but get up you know, every, every hour, every hour and a half, and move around, because that's going to help them focus and help them retain and, and learn. And, and interestingly enough, that BDNF Jeff mentioned um, doesn't um, it doesn't flood the brain when there's stress. So um, that that lack of stress is really key to the retention and the learning, either during play and experimentation or during study. Um, so something to keep in mind just in any kind of learning environment. So what are we talking about here? The you know. Uh, competing in sports can be stressful, and you talked about the rules and everything else. Would that say that in those kinds of scenarios, sometimes the kids don't get the benefit of that, uh, whereas in just free play and 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 uh, you know those types of activities, they do more significantly. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. We, it's unfortunate that the words are the same. That we're that when you talk about, I'm going to play a sport, and I'm playing outside. They're really, um, if you think about a, a, a spectrum, you know, on one end is free play, and on the other end is sport. And you want to be more on the side of that that's, that's free play. No, we, we, we're not as strong as far as we love sport. We encourage sport. We think it's a beautiful um, example of what humans can do and enjoy and and it's a fantastic thing the problem is what we've done to it in early specialization with children who aren't ready for it and have no real vernacular to deal with what gets layered on them really really young and then keeping them in a single sport um, so so having as as a young child having um, what we call um, sports sampling, sampling is a wonderful idea, but also just remembering that that play is such a necessity. And it's not the same if it's, well, I, I played a pickup game of the thing that I play 364 days a year with my buddies. That's not really the same. You still have all those goals and you're still thinking about, well, did I hit the ball like I need to hit the ball? And, and you're still practicing the same skills. So it does get very um, complicated, really, on how to layer that in in the right way so that we do the best we can for kids rather than just stick them into the obvious structure that is laid before us. One of the things, one of the many things I love about your methodologies, and we're going to dive deep, I want to touch on movement in much more detail, I want to talk about precision of, of um, exercises and all those things, um, but I, you guys are so innovative in the, the, the games that you create that get kids exercising and they don't even realize they're exercising because they're just having fun doing it. And I know you've been doing a lot of Zoom work with parents and coaches uh, really around the world, giving them ideas. And I'm interested to know what challenges have they found? What creative ideas have you suggested? And what are the things you're hearing? Uh, just there's so much stuff around the house you can substitute that kids have fun with. I always say this, uh, my caveat is this is going to sound creepy, but if you watch children, like if, if you are going to pick up your own kids at a school 
and you're pulling to the lot and you have to wait 10 minutes for everybody to pick up their child and you watch what those kids do when they come out of school. Um, they find stuff to play with all the time. And, and, and if, you, if you think about that also common thought that oh, I didn't need to get my, my child all these expensive things for the holidays because they like an empty box just as well, right? <laughs> it's really true. So um, it's so easy to take an empty Amazon box. I feel like everybody's got a few of those laying around right now, right? Yeah. Um, uh, today we did a class with a basket full of laundry and we put a sock on top of it. We did some um, prowler pushes with the, the laundry basket. We did some seated uh, leg raises over the edge of the laundry basket. And then at the end of the session, we grab uh, a sock from the top of the stack with one foot and lay it to either side of the basket and then just repeat rounds like that. And then we played a game at the end where they dump the basket, they reload the basket, and then plop on top of it and see who could do that the fastest. <laughs> so um, we've used couch cushions, we've used books. Um, just any kind of sport ball that you have around. I mean, there's so many things. It's so easy. I, really saw, a, to, I saw a guy recently who took um, painter's tape and he created a ninja course for his five-year-old around the house. <laughs> so painter's tape up onto, onto a couch, then you had to go over the back of the couch to come back over the top of the couch, jump onto the table. You know, it, it, it is being, you know, when you're talking about the younger ones with as Mickey, Mickey is, it is kind of putting yourself back in, you know, their shoes. Remember what it was like to be a kid when you're a kid. Well, yeah. did you like to climb on stuff? Yeah, I like to climb on stuff. <laughs> Let's not tell the kids they can't climb on the couch. Let's yeah. climb the couch so, and then, you know, climb over the back of the couch, climb over the top of the couch, get on the find You can find things to do. Um, as you move into the older kids, uh, we had a, um, uh, one of our coaches, he happens to be a teacher as well. He wrote me and said, you know, my, my 10 year old daughter told, uh, told me this is the best uh, spring vacation we've ever had. And he said, why is that? He said, well, you're, you're home and we're playing and we get to play all the time. So the things he was doing was just, just going outside and playing, you know, playing pickup basketball with his, with his girls or horse with the girls or, um, taking a ball and going down to the going down to the park and just let's let's practice one skill in, in here and in between the skills we'll do a, we'll do sprints down to the end of the end of the um, track to the to the field and back. It's really putting yourself um, with the older kids. It's it's, it's connecting back um, back to them. And I think one of the things that we saw owning the gym and having you know our four boys grow up was that, that because we pick the boys up at the, you know, after school, we go to the gym and all of us would kind of work out together. We always were connected with our kids. We never kind of had that, that high school time where we lost that connection. Um, and I think this is a time where something good that can come out of this is the connecting back with your teenagers and being, um, being there for them and finding out what their world's like and then trying to, um, to uh, continue to make a, a shared world that you can um, both benefit from and be connected in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and all that play and, you know, you know, creating ninja courses in the house and, and going outside, spend a lot of time outside. Sounds like, sounds like my brother and I growing up, but yeah. nobody really wanted us to do that. <laughs> 
Um, but it's, it's a lost art, and and it's it's we're losing something so important. So yeah. But we do talk to an awful lot of people saying, "Oh, I had that," but do their kids have it, and do they see their kids in their neighborhood enjoying that same same kind of thing? And that's our one of our tasks is you know just to remind right. people. Likely not, and um, you know, so so one of the things I wanted to jump into uh, today was. A, a weight training, I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, how early to start, but it sounds like it kind of depends because you, it seems like you have to develop a little bit of a, a different type of foundation for, for youth. And, and it also kind of speaks to how a lot of um, sports trainers and, and, you know, athletic coaches and things like that, a lot of them kind of tend to shy away from training youth for those very reasons. So, What's your philosophy on, on gradually incorporating weight training? So I think that, uh, you know, I worked with preteens and teens and Mickey worked with younger kids and her prep for, for what I was going to be doing was, was stellar. So I would have kids come out of her class and come walk into my class and they were set up as a, you know, as a 12, 13 year old, to start to lift and start to lift well. One of the things we like to say is um, children shouldn't lift weights badly. So you have to start somewhere. Nobody should. (laughs) Well, nobody should. But the the fact of the matter is, is, you know, throughout time, kids have worked hard. You know, if they worked on, if they lived on a farm, they worked on a ranch, they lifted. So all of the stuff about kids being hard, lifting is incorrect and the, and, the, and the studies show two things one is that um, if kids are going to be lifting they should be under the under the care of somebody who has been trained to work with kids and understands the development of children and secondly that the program design shouldn't be a watered-down adult program it should be designed for children which is what we did but we came up with this idea of we call it, it's kind of a roadmap to lifting and we call it base build boost. And throughout our training, we talk about it, but base is what you introduce to kids. They, they need to learn how to control their body. They need to have body awareness and need to learn how to move in the fundamental movement patterns correctly in the fundamental movement patterns. So if you take a seven year old and you start this process with them learning, learning, um, the fundamental movement patterns, learning body awareness, it's going to be four or five, six years before they kind of get that all down. And then they move to the next phase, which is build. And that is applying what they've learned to external objects. So a child who is um, you know, 10 years old has learned how to control their body, learned, learned how to hinge at the hips, um, can start to learn how to pick up their backpack correctly. That's not a deadlift. It's just picking something in the real world up off the ground. Right, right. Squatting as opposed to hinging, right? Right. So we're going to take we're going to take those. So now they've learned base. They're starting to apply those things to external objects. Um, they're able to do that well and safely. Now we can move into boost, where we're starting to add weight and and look at um, at strength and you know strength development. The, the the key here is that most people start 
they, you know, they get the 13 year old kid in, he has never lifted before. He's never really been, you know, moved before. And they'll try to skip the base build part and move right to the, right to the boost part. You know, I want to see that kid, you know, lifting heavy weights. Well, we still, that, that kid's 13 years old. He still needs to go through that process and maybe faster than a six year old, but he still needs to learn body awareness. He still needs to learn how to move unloaded correctly in the, in the primal movement patterns. And then he needs to learn that he can do that while lifting, you know, um, external objects like a backpack or a piece of PVC. And only then is he, should he be, you know, adding weight. So we have a, we think weightlifting is essential and appropriate for kids and, and necessary, but there's a process to do it safely and effectively. We um, started with eight to 12 year olds or eight to 10 year olds. That was my group. And we call that a barbell prep group. And they would start with PVC and just understand. And first of all, they didn't get invited to the class unless they were already coming to another class. And we could see that they knew how to hinge and they knew how to squat. And when I say and they press. knew how, and press, um, when I say they knew how, I mean they consistently would move well. We never saw a valgus knee happening. Um, we, or, or anything moving prior to the hips and the hinge. Um, that they could maintain a neutral spine. They understood bracing, and we had ways of teaching the really young kids bracing. So they would get invited to that class, but we have a... A tier, first of all, we have movement tiers. So we have a, this tiered system, which starts with tier zero, which we call movement skills. So when I just mentioned bracing, that would be a movement skill. You can't load somebody until they know not to be a noodle when they put load on their back, right? I mean, you can. We see it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not what's best for kids by far. So a bracing, bracing step strategy, a neutral spine, and the knee position, and ability hinge, all those things are the movement skills, tier zero, before we can say, okay, now we're going to block squat, and then we're going to air squat, and then we're going to goblet squat, before we front squat or back squat or do anything beyond that. So we, we had this progression, and we would start, like Jeff said, they had to move well without load. Um, and those eight to 10 year olds, they're still eight to 10 year olds. So we couldn't just do an hour long. We're just lifting. It's really hard work. Sometimes it's heavy um, that, without play. So we have something we call loaded play. So we would take breaks. So there's all that waiting time, you know, because people have to shift between who's on the platform and so forth and so, so on. We would take breaks and use what we call loaded play. So we would do something that was movement, in a game contact context, but included a load. Like they'd loved to, like, we have so many pictures of little eight-year-old girls smiling, carrying a pair of kettlebells around our building. Um, I loved farmer's carries for some reason, but that's great. That was, that was working on their grip. It was working on their core stability and their overall strength. And, that, and that's just neurological anyway for them. It's not the load itself. So, um, yeah, there's a whole system, but it's just not it's just not that hard to take care and think it through how you progress a child. Well, I want to explore that deeply, and I want to preface the conversation around this. So there are many parents uh, 
hopefully some listening now that are in a position where maybe they're working with a training system, gym, or considering one. And it's very easy to get drawn to the marketing and the buzz of a brand. Um, and that's not what you should be drawn to. Um, there are some systems out there without naming names that are more interested in just these aggressive, insane, uh, time, you know, time-bound kinds of contests together that they abandon form. And especially as a kid's developing, you need to be very sensitive to that. And, and getting back to the repetitive motion kinds of industries, uh, injuries that come with sports, you need to be sensitive to those things. So what advice and, and you know, how, can you, how do you differentiate your brand from some of these others that perhaps have a marketing message but have a much higher injury rate than the Brandex method? Well, that's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> and it, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and answer it because that's because I, I do that when I probably shouldn't. But um, you can go all kind of a, there's a whole sub of marketing that goes toward children that is inappropriate. So let's let's talk about it. Like when you talk about a speed and agility um, camp for a seven-year-old or eight-year-old. There's just there's a child of that age um, is biologically not capable of expressing true speed, or and and agility comes from um, speed and agility also come from being able to apply power to the ground, so force to the ground. So simply getting stronger will help those things. Um, there's whole um, marketing uh, structures around uh, increasing work capacity for a child. Well, if you want to increase work capacity for a child, for an adult, the adult has to put work in. If I want, you know, Phil, if I want you to increase your deadlift, you have to work at increasing your deadlift. If I want a child to lift up something you know, heavier than he did yesterday, I can take an eight-year-old I can put him in a corner and come back in ten, you know, two years, and he'll be ten, and he'll be bigger and stronger, because biology takes care of work capacity for, for kids. Um, so really, the focus of our program became about um, physical uh, increasing physical abilities, which which um, revolved around teaching children to move well within the primal movement patterns and increasing what's called physical literacy. So um, their ability to interact with the environment. A child who's physically literate is that kid who's uh, 12, 13, 14 years old who walks onto a, a, you know, a soccer team and the coach goes, holy cow, have you ever played soccer before? And they go, no, I, this is my first time. They just can apply their, their skills to whatever sport they want to apply, apply it to. And so kind of the, the, the goal of our program became this increasing physical literacy and, and, and helping kids move really well within the movement patterns, uh, primal movement patterns, and providing them an opportunity to, to um, move for life, to have this love and, and feel that movement or being um, active was simply something you did with life. Like you eat breakfast and you move. That's, that's um, such a good point on, on how that shapes people as adults. You know, you know, I spent most of my adult life in the military and in the army, they've changed the, uh, 
the physical fitness program twice while I was I was in. Uh, once in 2012 kind of co correlates with some of those uh, things that you noticed. Uh, you know, some of those functions just didn't exist in, you know, new 18-year-old privates. And they had to do more of a progression into some of the things, you know, the two-mile run, you know, the max push-ups or sit-ups or, or whatever, or even the ruck marches where you put a heavy load on your back and you walk between six and 12 miles. They had to adjust all that stuff. So our, our program, one of the things we, we have said quite a bit is that um, we don't want our kids to come to the gym to be good at gymming. We want them to come to the gym so they're good at stuff outside of the gym. And we want to make them better outside of the gym. So what does that, what did that um, do for us? You know, we had in our gym, when we ran Brand X, we had, I would say probably 85 to 90% of the kids were not athletes coming in the door or kids who were disenfranchised from sport at some point. And, and um, they kind of picked up the gym as this is a fun thing for them to do. Um, we had kids who picked powerlifting as a sport. Out of this, out of this group, and out of that, out of that group, we had over a hundred state and national records produced with these wow. with these kids who, who didn't really ever um, see themselves as athletes, but now they do. And the the way we built the program allowed us to to have to have these outcomes where kids didn't focus on what they were lifting. I mean, these kids never walked into a into a into a um, meet knowing where the where the um, where the records were, they walked in. We did what they were doing in the gym, and they walked away with 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 medals and the records. And last, I think we did. We had over ninety thousand hours of, of, of or contact hours with kids working out in our gym in the, in the strength program with zero injuries or injuries that required any kind of intervention. Wait, wait, say that again. Ninety thousand hours with no injuries. 90,000, last we did it was, last we looked at it, it was 90,000 contact hours with kids coming into the gym with zero injuries. And injuries are generally defined in, in sport as needing a doctor's or, or some kind of intervention. Like you have to go to the emergency room, you have to go. There. So we had, I'm not saying we didn't have a kid who like, you know, pulled a hamstring or, you know. Or scraped a knee on a box jump. Yeah. Or. But we never had a kid who like, you know, was, was out, of the, out, of the, out of the gym for more than a couple of days. Um, Do we ever have a non-contact ACL injury? And that was the next did thing. Did anybody who had Tommy John surgery? No, we did not. <laughs> so the other, and the other side of this was focusing on movement over focusing on load. So our the way we kind of set up our classes in this prepare we call it prepare practice play prepare being what you consider uh, normally consider warming up, but this is also where we would introduce physical literacy. It'd be something like you know handstand walk. For, for a teen, teen class, it might be handstand, walk 10 meters, do a forward roll, bear crawl to the door, seamlessly move from bear crawling to, to sprinting to the end of the building, back pedal back, something like that. So you're incorporating different things and, and warming the kids up. And then we go to practice. Practice is movement pattern training. And that was where we did our lifting in the teen class. So you know, deadlifting and squatting was considered movement pattern training, not actually how, how heavy can we lift? And, and then we do our conditioning at the, at the, in the play piece. But in 
all the time that we had our, our um, program going, the kids who played travel ball or played in high school ball, not one kid had an ACL tear. Not one kid had a you know, Tommy John's surgery or shoulder injuries. Um, and it was because they were just well-rounded, I think, at, you know, young athletes who, who, um, who had this strength and conditioning program as the base of their, um, for their um, athletic, whatever athletic endeavors they were going to, going to be taking part in. They understood position. They understood where they're, it's, it's almost like, think of it as like a really heightened proprioception. Like they, they, they knew exactly where they should be and in what position during any kind of movement, just through lots of repetition, you know, give, uh, presented in novel ways throughout their tenure at our gym, but um, lots of repetition of the same movement pattern. So, and strengthening of that movement pattern as appropriate to their, you know, developmental stage. And, and just to back up, Jeff was saying our, when we had our program, what he meant was we ran a physical gym for 20 years and we, we stopped doing that at the end of 2018 um, to focus on bringing our program to more children by offering um, a broader and deeper education for professional youth coaches. Um, we do have three of our training centers, or we call the labs, around the world. Um, and those are locations where we are indeed new ideas. Um, one, of our, one of the things, because our mission is do what's best for kids, we're always looking out for new information that we might incorporate in a positive way. So we will send that out to our labs and they do the testing and come back with what they see. Oh, yeah, everybody got that immediately. That was a great cue or note didn't work, um, <laughs> got to try something else, or we, you know, this worked in this age group, but not in this age group, or they, they also are top trainers and they give back feedback. Um, sometimes some tweaks to what, what our ideas are. And so we're still able to do that R and D, but, but also hit the, the broader mission, which is to develop enough professional youth coaches to make a real impact. I, you know, I got to be honest with you guys. I'm having this image of uh, when you talk about the labs and then we hear about like, uh, you know, uh, boxes and box push and jumps and tumbles and all these things. I have this whole Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory image of the labs. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, got to be mayhem in there. You know, it's always <laughs> controlled. It is controlled mayhem. And the, um, the, the labs, we have the training centers, but we have the three, we have, we talked about it earlier, we have about 60 training, training centers around the world. We have three labs, one is in Tennessee, one is in uh, Brisbane, Australia, and one is in Dublin, um, Ireland. And the owners and, and head coaches there are just stellar folks, the, and they're great at working with and they're great at controlling the, the, the chaos that, that goes with this. But the, like the one in uh, one in Tennessee, Dan Quisenberry uh, runs Brand X Nashville. And Dan was um, like, his, he is a teacher by trade. He um, is an elementary PE teacher, has been for 20 years, one uh, teacher of the, PE teacher of the year for the state of Tennessee. And at night he goes and works with kids in gym. So um, he is uh, the, just like an, as an example. It's just he's he lives and breathes this stuff, and 
you know, how do you safely train kids to jump and tumble and, and, and handstand walk and all this. That's a progression for sure, right. but they like to develop confidence and competence and things. And, and when, when a coaches make the mistake of like Jeff was saying, rushing them to boost before they base or build, they, they're not confident. They know they can't, you know, handle a barbell snatch before they can appropriately air squat. They know it. And, and um, they know the difference when they, when they can and they get there because they've really built a strong foundation. When, when we're talking about the young kids in, in Mickey's group, you know, from ages five to five to 12, stretch it out from my group, 10 to 10 to 18. That prepare portion is introducing physical literacy skills. So how do you tumble? How do you skip? How do you do, you know, how do you kick a ball? How do you throw a ball? All of those things are part of physical literacy. In my group, it's taking those those things that they've learned in physical literacy and starting to link them together. So I kind of talked about, so you can handstand hold, now you can handstand walk, then do a forward roll and go into bear crawl, um, run to the end of the sprint to the end of the building, come back in, pick up a ball, throw it against the wall five times, pick it up with your offhand, throw it against the wall, you know, 10 times. And what we're doing is linking those physical literacy skills together and providing, you know, new and, and novel ways for them to interact with the environment. Um, when you see kids who are really physical literate, literate, they enjoy that. And they're like, holy cow, well, I can add this in, I can add that in, I can do this, I can try this, I can do a handstand walk on a, uh, you know, around uh, um, on, a, on a, um, an obstacle course, things like that. It's awesome. Yeah, they throw and their mad skills in. <laughs> when some, it's an interesting thing, and I think, you know, harkening kind of back to the, uh, to the martial arts, where there was, you know, we would see, Martial arts where they were very grounded in the basics, learning how, you know, it took a long time to build themselves up. And we'd see other martial arts where a kid might get a black belt in two years. And they'd been told that they were really very good. And they were told that they, they had the skills. And then all of a sudden they were putting them in a position where they may walk into a door of a gym like ours and the kids would spar. And you see them the first time they got hit and you see all that confidence go away. It's really important to us that kids build confidence through true um truly achieving something and that confidence then uh, breeds uh the motivation to, to continue but it, but it's built on actual outcomes yeah not just somebody saying oh you can do it you know just like everybody else is doing it it they get they get when it's not real um and i i think there's some burnout there too with coaches pushing what they haven't prepared their young yeah, athletes for. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that, that's interesting about burnout and recovery too. You know, there, there's definitely some, some differences, um, you know, with recovery for, for youth as compared to adults. What's, um, what's your philosophy on that? We're looking at each other like, who's, yeah. who's going to take that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're going to have two different answers, really. Yeah. On what kids? Can you reframe the question real quickly for me? Yeah. So, so when I when I would train an adult, you know, we would uh, put in, you know, you know, progressive overload or periodization or something like that to ensure, you know, that they're progressing but not burning out and having, you know, adequate recovery. 
Um, I'm curious on, on how that would work between the two different age groups that, that you guys are working with. Is it very similar or do they need more recovery or is it's it less? Totally, it's totally different. I, there's, there's the base, base build boost applies to nutrition and recovery as well. So obviously we want them to get enough sleep and we want them to eat real food um, and we want them to get adequate hydration. Um, but the young, the young set, we're not pushing them to a point that their system is stressed and needs recovery. In fact, there, we, we have another set of terms we call explore, express, excel, and that's the biopsychosocial stages. So within that model in the explore and express categories, we're not putting them into um, a state where they can be when they're uh, older, where they're going to push to the point where they have to have recovery. I mean, the whole point of recovery is because they've been overloaded. So we're not overloading them because they can't really perform that kind of thing yet, if that makes sense. So I'll let Jeff answer. Yeah. The younger, younger kids can really only, as Mickey was saying, can really only express aerobic contraction. So that's your time to say to them, like a workout for them might be something like, I'm going to have you guys do five five squats here. I'm going to have you run over here and do um, you know, ten get up and down off the grounds, and then run over here and do something else. And I'm just going to turn the clock on. I want you to go for ten minutes. I want you to pace yourselves and just have a good time for ten minutes. Keep moving. That's that's building the you know starting kind of building the aerobic base. When you get into your teenage years or your kind of your from ten on, you start being able to push yourselves. You know, and, and that's where, um, you know, anaerobic training comes in, lifting heavy starts to come in, those kind of things. So there's two really, two things really to kind of address your topic. One is the kids who are in sport and they're playing sport year-round. They're playing, let's say, baseball year-round. And we're, you know, they're not getting adequate recovery because they're not having seasons. I mean, even a, even um, you know professional baseball players take X number of months off, and they're told don't touch a ball. That's not happening with our youth anymore. They're playing year round, and there's not the there's no um, recovery for them. So what we're seeing is increased injury due to overuse, a 500% increase in Tommy John surgery in the last 10 years with kids, and I think that the median age of those surgeries are around 16. Wow. That is oh, yeah. that is unacceptable, and it's and it's become something that that parents and coaches just accept. Well, you play baseball, so you got Tommy John surgery. No, because 15 years ago that didn't happen. Or anytime before. You know, the, so so no, and and it's it is unacceptable for us to accept <laughs> to accept um, career-ending or major injuries as part of the process of playing a game simply because we're overloading the kids. So you kind of take that group and put them over here. What, what do we need to do with them? They need to have seasons. They need to have strength and conditioning that's designed specifically to support what they're doing. Then secondly, we have the kids coming to our gym. Well, kids coming into our gyms and should you know, get proper programming. If they get proper programming, then they should be able to move every day because 
that's what there shouldn't necessarily be a, I need a three on one off or I need this. What it should be is I'm coming in, I'm moving every day and then I'm probably leaving the, leaving the gym and going to do something else that's active. Um, so our, we could, we could stress our kids. If you're programming correctly, I could stress my kids. I could say, let's say we're doing a workout where they're doing three power cleans, 10 burpees and a 200 meter shuttle run. The next day I might come in and go, we're going to do um, 30 minutes of, of moving from rowing, running and a skier, something like that, where they're just moving throughout the day. And then the next day they come in, they might be doing um, you know, some kind of uh, heavy squat workout. If that makes sense. Right. It's like leaving some gas in the tank before you leave. Yeah. Well, kids, kids are designed to move all of the time. Well, humans are. Humans are designed <laughs> to move all the time, yeah. and they should move every day. So if we are grinding a child, you know, a 14 or 15-year-old child into the ground, then we're, we are um, doing them a disservice. Breaking them. I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying that you're not going to give them a hard, hard workouts. I'm simply saying that if the if you're grinding them in the ground, if the if the idea is I compete every day and I compete against the clock every day, that's not a real um, appropriate training system for a child. Not very realistic, right? And and I you know we have the outcomes to prove it. I mean we have the outcomes from Mickey's class of kids walking into my class who are just great movers and able to to move, but. You take that workout we just had, uh, three, three, I just said three power cleans, 10 burpees, 20 meter shuttle run. Before we shut down our, our gym, I had you know, a group of 16 year old boys and they did those three power cleans that all, all of the, uh, all six of the boys I had were doing power cleans with over 200 pounds in that workout. Um, That's pretty good for 16. Well, yeah, especially when, you know, the, the, the median weight for them was like 165. <laughs> you know, so, so the, it's how you set that up. So the, the workout, most people would set the workout up. Okay, we're going to do this. You're going to go, um, you know, as many rounds as you can get done in 10 minutes, three, two, one, go, go. And kids go as fast as they can and drive themselves on the ground. I would, I would set this workout up with, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do three power cleans. We're going to do 10 burpees. We're going to do 200 meter shuttle run. I want you to go as hard and fast as you can on the burpees. I want you to go as hard and fast as you can on the shuttle run. I want you to come back in. I want you to stand over your bar. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to visualize you're doing, you're doing three perfect power cleans. I want you to take three, three breaths, open your eyes, and, and perform those three power cleans. Then go back to going hard and fast. You know, that's a very different way of approaching the same workout. Got it. I love the innovation. And, you know, we're moving to, um, we're moving to the end of our time here. And I wanted to spend some time um, giving you both the opportunity because I see so much value and such importance in the work that you do with kids and parents out there that are concerned with, you know, perhaps a child who burned out of the sports system or is underperforming or perhaps one that's aggressively trying to become better and better and needs that physical literacy. There's so much that the program offers. There's a lot of virtual solutions that you're doing. There's program centers around the country and around the world. And, you know, if you guys wouldn't mind, please 
talk about how folks can get in touch with you or trainers and what kinds of resources are available by visiting your website and, and those types of things? We try to answer every email we get. Um, and because it matters to us, I mean, it really is our passion. So uh, people reach out to us. It, it's once in a while we get somebody, oh, you missed my email. But uh, for the most part, we, we get back to everybody as quickly as, as we can. Um, and we are just Mickey, M-I-K-K-I, and Jeff at thebrandxmethod.com. Um, we have a professional youth coaching certification, which is our premier product. It's a really in-depth um, take on coaching kids. Um, we, it does offer CEUs from, I think, three organizations now, ACE, NASM and the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association. Um, and that is fully online. And we have a, it doesn't, it doesn't expire as long as you stay part of what we call our PYCC Pro, which is a mountain of information and movement videos and research papers and discussions on current topics and um, things that, that people need to know to actually implement the 30 hours of learning from the PYCC. So the PYCC t talks about the principles of training children. Um, and then this pro is a membership site um, that as long as you are involved in that, we, you maintain current certification. Because we really believe in um, constant knowledge and new information rather than repeating an old course and, and saying, oh, you check the box. Um, but then we also have other products like we, we offer something totally for free called the youth um, trainer toolkit and if anybody emails us info at the brand x method we send that out and it's kind of a taste of what we do we then we move to something called brand x essentials which is just a little mini course about our essential concepts then we've got a youth strength course which is a pretty thorough take on what our youth strength program um, consists of and just recently, because of everything that's going on, we created at-home programming that we give out for free. We now have three months' worth of that. Um, sadly, there's three months of it. Um, but same thing, email us, and we'll shoot you all that programming that we created there. Um, and then for teens specifically, because realizing how many of them are in sport, and they're missing their friends, and they're missing their activity, and there's just no answer for them. So we came up with, in coordination with uh, one of our son's Connor, um, he has a, a business called Compete Elite, um, where he trains competitive athletes and is very um, close to that world and understands how that works. And so along with him and our other son, Keegan, one of our other sons, Keegan, we created something called the Teen Fitness League, which um, is four weeks of a single test, uh, body weight test, every week. And it's for 10 to 18-year-olds. And there's a scale division and then a high-end division. So people can kind of choose where they want to, what they want to try. But it's keeping kids moving um, during this period. And we'll, we'll, we'll actually probably continue it because there is just sort of a need for that. Um, but we'll also add, the next series, we'll add some gym-type gym competition as well. But it's all, all of what I just spoke about is online. So I, I guess we're lucky we were there you know, five years ago. Um, because because that's that's what we offer now. We we like the idea of people being able to do things at their own pace. 
Brilliant. Yeah. You, well, you were ahead of the curve and no more timely than right now in terms of those virtual assets. So thank you for sharing that. And the brandexmethod.com is the website and you really owe it to yourself, parents and even adults. Listen, it's easy to get have the walls close around you and forget that you can get outside and more importantly, stay active, whether that's walking, jumping, skipping. I don't know that I can do, you know, those backflip wall climb things <laughs> that you're talking about. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, another good place for people is to look up, look up, look us up is on Instagram because there's a, just a mountain of information on our Instagram. Just, we're just the Brandex method. Also, the Teen Fitness League has an Instagram as well that if you're interested in that or have you got one. Oh, outstanding. Well, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going we're gonna to post this excellent interview, and it's been so, such a blessing and so informative. And, and I would say crucial right now in these times to be hearing these types of things. So, you know, we're going to spread the word on our social networks. We hope you'll do the same because I think people need to hear what you have to say. And we just really, really appreciate having you today. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you and nice to meet you, Jason. Thank you, Phil. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Our pleasure. Stay safe, guys. Thank, Thank you. You too. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Bye-bye.